good to see the boots is a young lady got hurt the other day uh, jumping from one of those stumps to the next stump and I was like that was my childhood boots is crying man hit him in the head one boy in the head with a baseball bat and James says I think you killed him you better run home so we leave boys blood spurting out of his head oh boy you know the Bible talks about the thorn in the flesh. I think I was uh, Mrs. Boots's thorn in the flesh. But so thankful that they're serving the Lord. And it's good to see friends in ministry. We'll go ahead and turn to Psalm 119. We'll be in chapter 19 as well. Psalm 119. Very familiar passage, uh, verse 165. Before I get uh, reading uh, the, the passage, I just wanted to give you a little update on what the Lord's done in, in Driggs, Idaho in the past um, several years. Uh, we, when we started, kind of like the Boots did, start from scratch. You don't know anybody. Uh, you don't have any contacts. You just go door knocking, and you meet people, and you invite them to church. And uh, we... Our highest day that we've ever had is 108 on a Christmas banquet. And the Lord's blessed and he's worked. And we're in a valley of about 11,000 people in the whole county, uh, Mormon community. And then also, uh, I call them ski bums. I don't know what else. Ski bums, you know, and uh, that type of people that worship the mountains and worship the trees and, and, uh, and Mormons who think they're going to be a god. So it's an interesting... Uh, situation interesting dynamic but the lord's blessed he's given us people he's given us fruit um never never be weary and well doing the bible says in due season you'll reap if you faint not it's important for us to continue and to allow god to work in hearts and lives i know that we're in the mid-30s every sunday morning now and um if we have under 30 that's a pretty bad day uh, i know there's been at least there's been two times when it's been my family uh, which isn't a lot for a church plan. I've heard there's been a lot of times where people weeks on end where nobody would come. And the, God's been good to us as far as that's concerned. But uh, we're so thankful that we're able to be counted worthy to be in the ministry. I know that I'm not worthy of that. Uh, but God calls the foolish things of this world to confound the wise so often. And it's just a blessing to be working with, with people who uh, want to grow. That first-generation Christian is an amazing Christian and uh, not talking bad about anybody that's second I'm second generation third generation Christian um, but first generation Christian there's they're hungering and thirsting after righteousness I'll tell you a little little thing I said it at camp but I'll I'll give a little more information and Andy uh, didn't give me much time to prepare and I have to think about stuff before I get up and blab and uh, he was like hey I want you to talk about the Amish people like five minutes before I was supposed to get up and I'm like oh boy and I was like, you're the storyteller, why don't you just tell it, okay? Um, so, but he uh, asked me to get up, and I, I, about four weeks ago now, I, I came in on a Sunday morning, and I'm waiting outside for people to come, and this van pulls up, this transit, 15-passenger van, and all these Amish people start getting out of there. And they're walking in, like, can I have service with you guys? I'm like, yeah, come on in. And they all, all, they all came in, and, and uh, after the service was done, he came up to me after they had all gone out the rest of them, the main guy. 
came up to me and says, we believe, he says, uh, would you, I have a prayer request. Would you pray for our people? They, they believe in a work salvation. He says, and I believe in salvation by faith through grace. And um, I was like, amen. And he's like, I'm a preacher for the Am- in the Amish. He's pastor's uh, people. And so we went over there this week and talked to, talked to him for, for uh, several hours. And then he sent me a text on Friday and says, hey, do you want to come over for a Bible study tonight? And I was like, yeah. And so me and Andy went over there, and uh, Andy has four Amish contacts. I don't understand how they have cell phone numbers and stuff, but they do. Uh, it's like, hey, could you send me a, like a, you know, Morse code or something is what I was expecting. But, you know, they, they have cell phones and stuff. But um, so... Uh, he has four contacts, people to follow up with. One has just left the Amish community in the last month. And so do pray. The man's name is Elam. I remember that. I can't remember the last names. And, um, but it was really, really interesting how God brought that together uh, like 3,000 miles away. And, and how that uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks. He's like, you want to come visit us? I'm like, yeah. So God works that out. And Andy's been like, I've been praying, man, for years for, uh, to try to get into that community. And he's like, boom, right there, four contacts, right at, right at the, the bat. So, so do pray for that. I'd love to see a bunch of those people get saved. And, yeah, their lifestyle actually is a pretty good lifestyle. I'm not going to, if they want to come in their horse and buggy to church, come on. Uh, and if you want to wear your little thing on your head, the Jews do too. Oh, it's okay. So, uh, but, but it's exciting to see how God uses people. So never be weary in well-doing, you know. So God uses you where you're at. Psalm 119, 165. Here the Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I would say that peace is something that each person desires. And our text tonight gives us a way to have peace, and not just any type of peace, but great peace. And the peace that we found in, in this verse is found in the love for the Word of God. And uh, I would like us to see this evening why we should love God's Word, and then um, what, what happens when we do. And, uh, and he wants us to see something from this passage. And the title of the message this evening is, is simply a question. And the question is this, where is the peace? I'm not talking about your 45. Uh, where is the peace in your heart? Um, where is the peace that God desires to give you? And I think even in Christianity, so many people don't have peace. So many people just don't have peace. They live in turmoil. Christians live in drama all the time, and, and they live in such a way that there is no peace in their hearts and minds, and that is not the desire that God has for Christians. I, I, do, I would expect the world to not have peace because they have not experienced the power from the Prince of Peace. But what about the Christian? Uh, I think we find it here in the text, the reason why people don't have peace is because they don't love God's Word. If you look at Psalm chapter 19, Psalm chapter 19, we'll read verses 7 through 9. Of course, the first several verses of Psalm 19 are talking about God's creation 
and how that points out to the Creator and how there is one that is God over each and every one of us. But then we see it going a step further from creation to God's testimonies or God's word. And uh, here we see in verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. Uh, great peace have they which love thy law. So why should we love God's law? I see here, first of all, it's perfect. It's perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. You see, if you get a, a book and you start reading it and it's not the word of God, you're going to find some idiosyncrasies in there. You're going to find some fallacy in there uh, because uh, the word of God is the only word that is perfect because it's inspired by God. It's directly given to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And because it's perfect, what, it, what does it do? It compels the sinner. It compels the sinner. The Bible tells us in the book of Galatians that the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It's perfect in its, its way. It, it shows us that we're sinners. The Bible isn't there to show you how pure you are. It's there to show you how dirty you are and how you need a Savior to save your soul. And then it can comfort you and guide you and direct you in your newfound faith. And uh, at Brother Nitton, you, t you, you gave your testimony last year at camp. And what a blessing. Uh, you know, so many people, and I'm sure you experience the same thing here in Virginia, the idea of people saying they're Christians. Uh, friend, just because you say I'm a Christian doesn't mean you're a Christian. Uh, young people, just because you said some, uh, some little prayer after somebody said, I can show you from the Word of God how to go to heaven, you're like, I want to go to heaven. And you don't understand sin, and you don't understand repentance, and you say, I said these words, therefore I'm going to heaven. No, no, friend, the, the law of the Lord is perfect. And you have to see through God's lens, see yourself as you truly are in the need of a Savior. And it's perfect, and it compels you to the idea that I need a Savior, but then it's powerful. Uh, look here in the, in the verse, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. It's powerful, it has the ability uh, to convert the soul. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that the word of God is quick, that means alive. Friend, this is not a dead book, and people mock it and can scorn it, but they've been trying to get rid of it for millennia now. Uh, they cannot because it's powerful, and it will endure uh, from this generation forever, according to Psalm chapter 12, verses 6, 6 and 7. But it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Do you want to see yourself? You go to God and say, God, I want to see you as you see me. If you're unsaved and you, you go to the Word of God, that's what happened with these Amish people. I asked them, what happened to you? How did you uh, become born again? Well, he's like, well, according to the Bible, he's like, I just started reading the Bible, and it just started showing me that what I was being taught isn't right. Why? Because the Bible is powerful in and of itself. And if you go to God and say, God, I want to learn about you. I want to know about you. He's going to give you his word that gives you the ability to become a Christian. And we see that even in Luke chapter 16. You see the rich man who had everything in this life. Uh, and he says at the end there, he says, hey, I want you to go to my father's house with Lazarus that, uh, uh, that he can tell my brothers about this terrible place. And God says, no, nay. 
They have Moses and the prophets. They have Moses and the prophets. What do you say? They have the word of God. It's powerful. It has the ability to convert the soul. You say, well, they only had the Old Testament probably when that was written. I tell you, Isaiah 53 is pretty powerful. Uh, I, I tell you, Psalm chapter 2 is pretty powerful. Uh, all these chapters in the Old Testament even point to uh, one that was going to be the Messiah and one that would take away their sin. And, and I tell you, we do have the ability to know for sure we're on our way to heaven because we have a powerful book, Converting the Soul. It's also protective. It says, Converting the Soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the, the, the simple. It's protective. It can give you confident surety. Uh, you see, I, I, I even see it in, in people in full-time ministry sometimes where there's just the lack of discernment, the lack of wisdom. And, 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 and uh, the question comes to me, why, why would you walk in this way? And, and you have to understand that when we're walking in accordance to the word of God, we have protection. We aren't going to make just foolish, crazy decisions on a whim. We're going to make sure that it's grounded in truth and it's grounded upon the word of God. Uh, because without that, we have nothing to stand on. But when you stay within the realms of, realm of the word of God, uh, you can have protection there. Uh, so many Christians are defeated in their life because they're going outside uh, of the scripture, going outside of the realm of the Bible to find uh, new ways and new ideas. I, I was even talking to a pastor this week. I, I don't mention names, but... I was talking to a pastor and he was telling me about these grandose, uh, grandiose schemes of trying to get money to, to even give to ministry and things like that. And I'm, I'm thinking, don't go outside the, 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 the realm of the book. They that would desire to be rich, what do they do? They find, find themselves falling into a snare. And, and they're like, well, I got good intentions for it. Don't go outside the realm of the book. It's protective. It's protective. So many people make foolish mistakes with their life because they're not staying in the book. Great peace have they which love thy law. So many people are without peace because they don't have the protection that it provides. It's also uh, productive. You see here, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You know, if, if you keep on doing the same mistake over and over again, I, I can pretty much... And your pastor would say this, I'm sure, and, and, and anybody that knows you would say it. If you make the same mistake over and over and over again, uh, you're not staying in the Bible. Because the Bible corrects us. It corrects us. If I find myself doing the sin, now we have besetting sins. Each of us have a, a sin that we will struggle with our entire life. Whether it be pride or anger or jealousy or bitterness or what, whatever it might be. Uh, it might be a physical thing that you struggle with, whether you like food more than other people like it or other things like that. I don't know what it might be for you. But I can tell you this, there's something that you will struggle with. But if it, con it controls your life, you're not staying in the book. Because the Bible leads us to the point where we say, hey, I need to change. I need to change. And if you're saved, you're going to want to change. You can't stay in the word of God and stay backslidden. You just can't. If you're really allowing God to work in your heart and work in your life. Now, I'm not just saying, I read my chapter, check it off. But if you're going to the word of God and saying, I want you to speak to me through your word. You're not going to be backslidden for long. Soon, as Jeremiah said, it was like a fire 
shut up when my bones and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. You got to go forward for the Lord because his word challenges you to do so. It's productive. It's also praiseworthy. It says here uh, in verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It's praiseworthy. It calls for rejoicing. When you, when you get something from the word of God, uh, I, I am not a, a melancholy personality. Um, I, I don't understand melancholy personalities, uh, but I know some that are. And I have talked to, like my older brother, Rob, my oldest brother, Rob, he's melancholy. And he's like, man, that was so good from the word of God. It just encouraged my soul. But uh, do you get excited about the word of God when you're asking God to give you something from your devotions, from spending time with him, and he shows you just what you need? Isn't that encouraging? Doesn't it rejoice your heart? And that's what God's word does to us. It rejoices our heart. It, it gives us the ability to say, praise the Lord, I'm saved. And, and praise the Lord, he's given me something to, to chew on today and to use in my life. Uh, it, it's, not just, it's not just words, folks. P- people think that it's just, oh, the pastor's getting up there and telling a story. No, it's true. It's true. It can encourage you. It can help you. It can strengthen you. It can help you rejoice in your life. I tell you, if you're lacking, uh, if you're lacking joy in your life, uh, get back in the book, and your heart's just going to rejoice. God's word is so good. It's so clear. People say, I don't understand the King James Bible. That's why the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Study it. Once you understand it, You'll never turn back because it's, it's beautiful. It rejoices your heart. It's also pure. It's also pure. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord, are, uh, uh, of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It's pure. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from, from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You say, I need purity in my life. Well, the word of God is pure. And it can give you the purity that you need. You find so many uh, lacking peace in their life because they're trying to find it from pornography or from uh, uh, extramarital affairs and all the rest of this stuff that people, independent Baptists, find themselves getting involved in. And friend, you're not going to find purity and peace from that. You find peace and purity from the word of God. And, and people get all sidetracked. And I, I tell you this, you find yourself uh, looking at pornography or any of those other things. I can guarantee you, you're not in the word of God. Because the word of God purifies you. It cleanses you. Psalm 119. Oh boy. Trying to read my handwriting. Brian's graded my papers before. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. Verse 128. And I hate every false way. How, how do you get that? How do you get that, that soldiering in your heart? Because we've lost it, friend. A lot, of, a lot of fundamental Baptists don't like to be soldiered. They want to be coddled. They want to be held. They want to be burped. Uh, they want mommy and daddy to hold them. Friend, you've got to step out. 
And, and this is why I tell our people all the time, you got to get in the Word of God. Amen. Don't just take what I say, well, pastor said. And, I, and, and you know, unfortunately, uh, I heard that a lot growing up. Well, my pastor said, well, what does the Bible say? You know, what, what do you know from the Word of God for yourself? Paul said this, follow me as I follow Christ. Therefore, you got to study the Bible to know what Christ says. He wasn't saying just blindly follow me. And I don't think our pastor did that growing up either. I just think people are stupid and they don't get into the word of God for themselves. Excuse my directness. My, my wife and I uh, got accused at camp this week. Um, she's like talking to the girl about homeschooling or something. And she's like, I like you and your, your husband. And uh, I like, I, not to me. She said this to me. I like your wife and I like you because you're direct. I'm like, I didn't even say three words to the girl, but okay. But uh, it's interesting that, that, that people just want to be liked. I want people to like me. I want people to think well of me. Well, what does God think of you? What does God think of you? That's what's important. And, and I'm not talking about trying to be brash and trying to be something that you're not, just to be strong, you know. Uh, people do, do that foolishly as well. Uh, I, I heard a guy get up, and he's, you know, preaching away against homosexuals, and, and I believe the Bible preaches that and teaches that. But he was being, I mean, I think he mentioned one verse in the 45-minute sermon, and it's like, that's not helping anybody anymore. The good old boy club isn't doing the job. Otherwise, this country would have been saved by now. The good old boy club and the, you know, big-name preacher isn't getting it done. It's the person that's studying the Word of God asking God to fill him with his Holy Spirit's power and going out in the power of God and doing his work and seeing God get the glory. And that's another thing. You can't give yourself glory. We don't do anything. Pastor Boots would say that. He's not going to build this church. I'm not going to build the church in, in, in Idaho. I just need to be faithful in what the Lord's called me to do and let God build his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Promises that. But we find ourselves... Lacking in purity, it's because we're not engrossed in the word of God. And no longer is sin exceeding sinful to us. We're such a digital world today. Uh, 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 people can't stop looking at Facebook and people can't stop posting on one of those things. Twitters and Instagram and, and all the rest of the stuff. And I'm just like, no desire, no desire to tweet. Can you imagine me tweeting? <laughs> he just tweeted. It's just crazy. But it's the day and age in which we live. And, and what is sad to me is we're, we're, we're giving our teenagers this stuff. And we're expecting them to be pure and clean. And there's no guard on a the phone. There's nothing. And why are they going to the devil? Well, you're giving them to the devil. Here. Nothing for you to... To guard you, I hope I'm not preaching to anybody. But, but it's true. People find themselves all messed up by the time they're 17, 18, or 19. Uh, now they say that uh, statistically, people are addicted to pornography, kids these days, by 11 years old. And another thing that they've said, pastors all throughout the country, 70% of pastors pray three minutes a day, and they're addicted to pornography. I wonder why. And it's just, it's so sad to see people just giving themselves over and, and tossing out 
You ever heard eat the chicken without the bones, you know, throw out the bones? And, and so many people are throwing out their background because it was too strong or something wasn't done right and I got my feelings hurt and therefore I'm going to give my kids cell phones and I'm going to give my kids this and I'm going to just let them do whatever they want to do. And the, you're expecting a different result than because I love them more. Friend, the result's going to be terrible. It's going to be disastrous. And what happens is those kids might even be saved. And me and my wife have talked about this over and over again. My aunt Geraldine was a devout Christian. She was a devout Christian. She loved God. My uncle Phil loves God to this day. He's 93, I think, now. And um, 91. He loves God to this day. But he kind of raised up kids that were rebellious. I remember he was like, my kid was 16. Or my aunt Geraldine was like, my kid was 16. And he got drunk. And then he came home and... And, and I didn't know what else to do but love him and let him in. I was like, lock the door, you know. <laughs> Bye, throw his stuff on the lawn. You know, tough love, you know. It's really, you got to do that sometimes. And, um, and, and that, that next generation, though, what happens? I know my, my cousins, Mindy and Michael. M- Michael wants nothing to do with God. He hates God. Hates God. What happens is we, we try to be soft and we try to be easy and we try to be nice with our children and they, they become halfway Christians or, you know, further than that, just maybe go to church once or twice a year and they re- raise unregenerates, just completely nothing to do with God. And it breaks my heart because I think they're very devout people. They're very, very good people. But, but the law of the Lord is pure and you can't throw that away. You can't throw that away. I just want to be positive in my message. Uh, another preacher posted something about Joel Olstein one, t- one time here in the, the recent past. And I called him up. I'm like, brother, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let my dog go to Joel Olstein's church. The guy's a heretic. He's a heretic. That's what I told him. He's like, okay, brother, I was just trying to be an encouragement. I'm like, that didn't encourage nobody, man. That dude's an idiot. He's a heretic. And, uh, you know, people try to be positive. Just stay positive. Stay positive. Brother, the, the devil can stay positive, too. He's good at what he does. He transforms himself into an angel of light. We need the purity of the word of God to transform people from the inside out. So what they do isn't just making a fool. And people need to be not swayed with every wind of doctrine. Well, I was raised this way. Get in the book and figure out what you know from the word of God for yourself. And it's so sad to see people wavering and wavering. And man, just get in the book. The book will show you how to live a pure life. How to live for the Lord. How to have that peace that passes all understanding. Tell you this as well. It's precious. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Great peace. Have they which love thy law. Great peace. I'll tell you it's precious. The word of God is precious. I remember seeing a video on Facebook. My wife's Facebook page. Of the Chinese Christians receiving a bundle of Bibles. And and weeping over the scripture. Weeping. Just weeping. 
I'm like, I got like 10 at home, you know, where's my other Bible, boys? Well, I'm using it for my devotions in my room. I'm like, oh boy, bring that back out, buddy. I don't know where that thing's all bent up and, you know, messed up. But I tell you what, we have the word of God, but is it precious to us? People died for this. And I tell you, we have a, a great heritage. You know, and I, I, I look at the, the, the Reformation and all the rest of that, but the Baptists have a great heritage. We have a great heritage of people who carried forth the truth. And it should be precious to us. The Word of God should be precious. And, and I tell you, we've gotten to the point where we're comfortable in our Christianity. We look good, we sound good, we can act right, we know the words to say. And I tell you, the, the, the biggest enemy to Christianity right now in America is comfort. I got my nice big house. I got my cars. I got my stuff. And I tell you what, I think God's about to shake it up. Friend, this president that we have is not our president. He doesn't know what's going on. It's like, uh, you know, the biggest enemy we have in America. And when I like listened for what he was going to say, and he's like, I was hiking with Xi Jinping. And I'm like, where is this guy at, man? He forgot where he was at in his story. That's the president of the United States. We're getting, I tell you what, we're under attack right now, folks. And we better know that we know God the way we should know him. But we'd rather be comfortable. I like my stuff. I like my things. I like my possessions. I like my big house. I like my money. I like my cars. I like, I like this and I like that. And, and, and we find ourselves so comfortable in our Christianity uh, that we forget who we're serving. I don't know if, pretty sure Brother Boots would feel this way. But I, me and my wife have talked about it. Man, we'd sell our house. We'd sell our possessions if we knew God could give us a building. And we'd build an apartment in the church. And we'd do whatever we needed to do to make sure it happened. Whatever. Because it's God's anyways. We bought a house in Driggs, Idaho, and got it for $95,000. Just got a praise, and the guy came in and did an appraisal. And he came through and did pictures for 15 minutes and left. The appraisal was supposed to take an hour to an hour and a half. And he was giving me appraisal amount for a loan amount. And uh, he, he uh, appraised our house for $575,000. And my house was paid for. And that's God taking care of me. That's why I'm saying it belongs to him anyways. And if he could sell my house and he could give us a church building and a place to stay. And I'm telling you, it's, it's a miracle that has to happen. And I'm th I think you're in the same boat when, when land is like... You know, I think land might be more expensive here than where we're at. But it's like, okay, this half an acre of land is $400,000. I'm like, what am I going to do with that? $400,000, you know. That's my house and a little bit more, you know. And it's like, God, what, what are we going to do? We'll trust him and he'll take care of you. And I can tell you this, his word is precious. And God's built up a remnant here that it doesn't matter where you're meeting. He's going to take care of you. It doesn't matter if you're meeting in a hotel lobby. It doesn't matter if you're meeting in this building. It doesn't matter if you're meeting, not a hotel lobby, but a meeting room or what a conference room. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are. If God before us, who can be against us? And I tell you, we get so enamored with, we were in a building this morning and like my wife's like, I don't want to be covetous. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, big old, big old church building, man. 380 students in their Christian school and big, huge building and, and beautiful. And 
and all the rest. And I'm like, eh, man, I just want to see people saved and I can meet in some rustic hut, you know, you know, God, 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 get all the glory. You know, it's not about us. And I want to be cold. And I want to be complacent. And I don't want to say I got stuff. The word of God is precious. That's what's precious. Preaching the word of God, hearing the word of God preached to us. Seeing God work in hearts and lives through his word. That's something special. One of my favorite verses going out to Idaho was Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. As I was asked to pray about going to Idaho, my former pastor, Roger Vogelin, came up to me and was like, hey, do you want to go to Idaho? And I'm like, no. There's like moose out there and, and elk and potatoes. Who am I going to preach to? 10,000 people and 440 square miles. 10,000 people. And I'm like, not my cup of tea, but, you know, whatever. I'll pray about it. And I'm praying and I'm fasting and praying, and, and, and I do that sometimes. Don't, don't think that out. It says in verse 7, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I tell you what, God provides every step of the way when you just do what he wants you to do. He takes care of you. It passes all understanding. Why is God taking such good care of that dope? You know, that, that guy. He doesn't have much to offer. It's okay. Just give yourself. Give yourself over to the Lord. He'll use you. He'll bless you. And he'll encourage you in your life. And you'll see handfuls of purpose. And I believe, as the pastor was mentioning in his, his uh, talk the other night, I think sometimes we don't get the blessing because we can't handle the blessing. And I think sometimes people want that. I want the blessing. Man, I just want God. Let God take care of the blessing. Let God do all the rest of the, that stuff. You know, if he wants to give us a big, pretty building, that's up to him. But I think people get enamored with the blessing. And then they're like, look what I've done. And you haven't done anything. You were just there. You just happened to be in the premises when uh, God says, I'm going to take care of you. And, and that's what God does. He takes care of us and he gives us that peace that passes all understanding if we'll just trust him. Great peace. Romans 12 talks about, if at all possible, live at peace with all men. That's great peace. Because there's some people that just don't want to be at peace with you. But you can, most of the time, live at peace. I got asked some questions today. I'm like, I don't know anything. I don't know. Um, God's good. That's what I know. You know, just... I don't want to get involved in drama. I don't want to get involved in anything else but serving the Lord. Just, just get out of my way if you're going to bring up drama and, and, and problems and whatever. The conversation is going to be very short. And, and it's just God wants us to have that great peace. Ephesians 5.21, how do we have that great peace? By loving God's law. And we see it by submitting ourselves one to another. Submitting ourselves one to another. Seeing the needs of one another and saying, hey, how can I fulfill that need in that person's life? That idea that it passes human intellect. It doesn't, the word of God sometimes pass our human intellect. We're like, hmm, I wonder what that means. I don't know about you, but that's me. I'm not a Greek scholar and, and all the rest. I just try to simply take what the word of God says and look it in context and, and find out what God wants for me. And isn't it great when God gives you that peace? that passes all understanding through his word. And you find these things by thinking on the right things. In verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4, 
It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure and true and honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And, and that's another thing. We lack the peace because we're not thinking on the right things. I've already talked about that. I'm not going to beat a dead horse. But I will say this. You've got to have the right mindset to have the right peace. You've got to have the right mindset to have the right peace. And uh, we see that in the Apostle Paul's life. He had the right mindset. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, you see Paul first mentioning his apostleship there. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 9, it says, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. And so here's Paul's first mention of him talking about himself as an, as an apostle, or being the least of an apostle. And um, it's interesting, as he progresses through his life, you see a, a tone change, a mindset change. You see the next time in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 says, Unto me who am the least of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So first he says, I'm the least of the apostles, but you see as Christ continues to form him and to transform him by the renewing of his mind day by day, and as he uses those words, I die daily, and finds himself becoming more like Christ in his life, what does he say? He says, I'm the least of the saints. Now, if you go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, the last time you, I see the progression here, towards the end of his life, we know he has those famous statements in 1 and 2 Timothy, I've fought a good fight, I've finished the course, I've kept the faith. But here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Isn't that amazing? Here's the Apostle Paul, wrote over 13 books of the New Testament. What does he say? I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the least of the saints. And he's like, I'm the chief of sinners. And the closer you get to God, the more you let God's word purify your heart, the more you get into God's word and allow it to to give you that peace, you're going to understand what you really are. I'm a dirty, rotten, low-down sinner who deserves hell. And people pride themselves in their Christianity. Yeah, they're saved by grace, but they sure live their life like they got justified by the law. Nose up in the air, can't shake somebody's hand. This is my seat in church. We don't have any of that out there. I, my wife and I love being out west because we don't deal with the church drama. People are like, I'm just happy to be here, you know. Like, what is church drama? We don't understand that, you know. Do you preach the same message Sunday morning and Sunday night? No, no. They're different. You, you can come to both. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. No, no, just, I love it. It's just pure. There's no pretense. There's no, no stuck in the air. And when I knock doors, somebody doesn't say, I used to be a deacon. I mean, what's a deacon? They don't even know. I mean, we're talking about people have, who've never stepped into church getting saved. We're talking about people who, 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 who just don't have any idea about 
Baptist politics or anything else or Christian politics and how you're supposed to look and how you're supposed to act. I remember I preached on, on modesty because I do believe it's a biblical thing. And this woman came in with the shortest shorts I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, God, no, don't make, don't make me preach that. And I guess after somebody asked her about the service, she's like, well, he said it. It's out of the Bible. You know. I don't know if she was mad or not, but she, I came and shook her hand afterwards. I'm like, you know, that wasn't really for visitors, that message, but I'm glad you're here today. And uh, she's come back once. But um, you can't preach the whole counsel of God, and you got to love people where they're at, and you got to continue to work with them and, and see God change people. And the word of God has the ability to do that. But we can't be the people that are sticking our nose up in the air because you're not going to have peace if you do. Great peace have they which love thy law. Let me close with four little things. And uh, just some things to remember. Number one, people are offended to people. Mark it down. This is simple. This is Daniel McDonald, you know, just farmisms, I guess. People are offended at people. If you, if you can go through life without offending somebody, you're good. But I'm telling you, don't be the one that's offended. And if you do get offended, get it right. Go to that person. Well, they need to apologize to me first. I've seen the Bible. There's two instances. You go to that person or they come to you. There's, there's both for that reason. So you can be right with God. Number two, people are offended at circumstances, which really means they're offended at God. Because God allowed them to be in that circumstance. What did Naomi say in Ruth chapter 1, I believe it was 19 through 21, where she says, he hath dealt bitterly with me. Talking about God. So she wasn't really bitter at the circumstance she was in. She was bitter at God, taking away her husband and her two boys. And, and we can allow that bitterness to come into our life. And when we have that bitterness, we don't have peace. We don't have peace. Number three, people are offended at pastors and, teach and churches. Uh, I'm sure Pastor Boots has dealt with that. The guy that can't stay in one church, he's hopping from place to place to place to place. And he's always ultimately going to find something wrong and get mad at. Now, I can tell you this, he's not in the Word of God. Because God expects us to be a member of, uh, of a scriptural church and to throw ourselves into it. doesn't matter what happened at the last church. Well, I'm going to just wait and, 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 and see in about a year or two. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. No, the Bible says they were saved, baptized, and added the same day. They were on fire for God. The, day, the moment they got saved, something happened. Something happened. Friend, no church is going to be perfect. No pastor is going to be perfect. But if you've got a man of God that's trying to lead, trying to do what God wants him to do, jump in. Follow. Allow God to use pastor boots and this is the last thing people are offended because they're convicted people are offended because they're convicted look at Stephen they didn't like what he said and they were like little kids it says they stopped their ears so it's like me at the boots' house on the trampoline or whatever it's like get off Eve. you can't be on here with me on here you're going to make me jump off the trampoline I'm staying here you know Right? Brian knows all about that. Really, that's what they did. They were like little kids. Stop their ears. 
to God's man. You can't tell me what to do. They're convicted. That preacher can't say that. You're preaching out of the Bible. My former pastor, Brother Vogel, was just in Chicago, and there were some hecklers there. And one lady's like, the one lady says to him, she's like, that's not in the Bible. You know, and he looks at her and says, lady, I just read it. You know. <laughs> that's what hecklers do. They're convicted. They're convicted about the truth. And that's what happens. People are convicted about the truth. And what happens? They get mad. They get mad. He can't say that. He can't preach that way. He's hurting my feelings. He's, he's preaching at me. Man, what does it say that the dog that howls is the one that got hit? That's, that's how it is. When you're preaching, you can see it on people's face. I, I, I had one person do this to me the whole time. <laughs> I'm up there preaching one day, one Sunday morning. This lady was in the back. And I'm preaching about uh, women submitting to their husband. And she's like, <laughs> like a bulldog. I'm like, what's well, in the Bible? You know, sorry you feel that way, but it's in the Bible. And people are, people are like, I just don't like that preacher. What they don't like is God's word. People get offended. But friend, you can have great peace if you love God's law. And what does the Bible say? Nothing shall offend us. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'll have Pastor Boots come up and do what he'd like to do. Amen. We can stand on our seats, if you will. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed. As, I was, as he was speaking, the thought that kept running through my mind is exactly, I know I've preached it before, but uh, along the lines of the fact that when, when you get in the Word of God and you see yourself, when you see God for who He really is, you'll see yourself for who you really are. And there's no room for pride in that. There's no room for being mad at God in that. There's no, reason for, there's no room for getting offended in that. There's just no room for any of it because when you see yourself as you really are, then you see everything that God's done in your life as a huge blessing and a huge benefit to you uh, that you don't deserve. And, uh, boy, the more, the more we look at the Word of God, the Word of God is a mirror. It'll show us exactly who we are. And you start really seeing who you are, you start getting unimpressed. There's not a whole lot to look at. And, uh, boy, we realize that we've got a long way to go in our spiritual walk with Christ and, 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 a, and a lot more that we can do to be more like Christ. And... Uh, Boy, it, it, it makes us want to change. There's a good message on the Word of God. I hope you're in the Word of God. That's how we're going to grow. You know, it used to be that <clears throat> it was good for, you know, read through the Bible in a year. And that's great. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong. We did that last year as, a, as an entire church, and many of you finished that. You read the entire Bible in a year. That's good, but we need to study the Bible, right? We need to understand what the Bible is, is telling us to do so we know how we can live and what we should do and what we should not do. It's great to read it. But you, we need to study it. Study to show thyself approved unto God, the Bible says, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You get in the Bible, you're going to be on the right track. You get in the Bible, you're going to be on the right path. You get in the Bible, you'll see God for who he is. You get in the Bible, you see yourself for who you really are. And there's not a lot of room for uh, getting off on the wrong path when you're in the word of God. Father, we thank you for the message tonight. I pray that you just use it to convict our hearts, and I pray that, that you'd help us to love the Word of God. I pray that you'd help, help us to have a desire to be in the Word of God. I pray that you'd help us to, to make time, to study, make time to be in your Word the way that you want us to be. And I pray that, that it would change us. I, I pray that we'd have a church full of people who are, who are in love with the Word of God and who consider it to be very precious and who use it as a mirror to help us to be what you want us to be. 
I pray that you bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano plays, the invitation is open. God spoke to your heart tonight.